We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Niners asserted their dominance over the Eagles. We saw the Packers continue to rise, and we saw so many of our fantasy players get hurt. Nick and I are here to break it all down on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. The podcast is brought to you by the good folks from Circa and Splash Sports. We thank you for your sponsorship. Thank you guys for tuning in, especially those of you joining us in the live stream right now. Uh, Nick, how was your week 13? It was good. It was a good week. Uh, you know, could have used a Kansas City Chiefs win and cover for some of my, my personal interests, we'll say. But other than that, uh, you know, I had a pretty good week, really fun game. A uh, really fun week of games, I should say, despite having six teams on by. Uh, looking forward to zipping through these. You know, I'm sure we're going to have a ton to say about Chargers Patriots. Specifically. Yes. Uh, the rare the rare cover by the Chargers in which they only scored six points. Um, but, you know, both of our favorite teams are playing tonight on Monday Night Football. So if anything, I think that will that will save us a, a ton of time because, you know, as longtime listeners of this pod know, um, you know, we, we usually dedicate a good like 25 to 30 minutes just groveling on and on about the Jags and Bengals. Exactly. Exactly. It's our, it's our weekly therapy. Uh, I, instead of going chronologically, let's go straight to San Francisco Philly as the game yeah. of the week. Uh, the statement game by the Niners in which they, you know, they struggled badly offensively in the first mm-hmm. quarter. The Eagles jumped them. You know, they, the, the Niners couldn't get anything done, but they held the Eagles to two field goals. And I think that was pretty huge. Yes. Uh, and then they caught fire after that, and it, it was a romp. Uh, it was one of many, many games that I got wrong this week. Uh, staff picks, I'm getting destroyed. Just destroyed. <laughs> this might like be – it's right it, – I think one, there was one year there was a week where I, I went like 2-13. and 13. I think this is not that bad, but it's pretty darn close. Uh, but I thought, hey, how are – you know, I, I was part of the squares. Like, how are the Eagles getting points sort mm-hmm. of thing? Um and then the Niners demonstrated, yeah, this is how. Um, and it just wasn't even close. Well, it was close early on. And you know, to be fair, you can you can afford a, a bit of a slip up in staff picks, whereas I cannot because I've I have already had my disaster week. I think it was week six or week seven where I, I put up like a two and thirteen mark. So you're still hanging around there. But you're totally right to mention. You know, I mean, this game, I, I was on the 49ers. We, we took them in the circuit contest. I took them in staff picks. I picked them in my articles. So I was I was highly leveraged on San Francisco. And you know. 10 minutes into this game and in, in game time, you're thinking, 
I might be on the wrong side. Like Philly mm-hmm. looks like the team that feels like they were disrespected. You know, San Francisco had a lot of things to say. They, you know, Philadelphia is acutely aware of what the line was for this game. And they come out, you know, they do end up with two field goals on those first two drives. And that was huge. But they also forced two three and outs in which San Francisco gained a total of negative six yards. So yep. even though they were leaving some points on the board, you know, not being able to finish those drives, you still felt like, all right, the defense is looking really good. Um, and they were running a ton of clock too. I mean, they, they burned off, you know, almost 12 combined minutes between those first two drives. So you're shortening the game for a San Francisco offense that initially could not get anything going. But man, uh, once the onslaught began for San Francisco, there was no slowing this team down. I mean, we, we typically, you don't see San Francisco get off to a lot of slow starts. And it was a little concerning just how poor the offense looked and how well-schemed the Eagles were for those first two drives. But after that, 11-play touchdown drive, 10-play touchdown drive, 7-play touchdown drive, 5-play touchdown drive, 12-play touchdown drive, and then a 2-play touchdown drive. So six touchdown drives in a row for the 49ers. And, you know, once they got rolling, you know, Hertz goes out of the game with the, the possible concussion. We saw a few snaps of Marcus Mariota. Once that happened, you, you kind of felt like, you know, the Eagles had fallen behind and, and were facing a deficit that they just couldn't surmount. Yeah, and then Swift got hurt late. DeAndre Swift yep. got hurt late in the game when the game was at, you know, it was out of question. The game was over. Uh, and starters were still in. And, you know, you, you might want to criticize Nick Sirianni for that. I don't know. Because uh, anybody can get hurt at any time. And let's face it, NFL rosters aren't like college rosters where you have 90 players. You have a finite number of players. So resting your starters isn't necessarily a thing you can even do. But, right. Swift does have an injury history. We're going to wait to see uh, more about that, but uh, he was taking the locker room late in that game. Uh, could be Kenneth Gainwell season. We'll see. Might We might actually see, uh, you know, Rashad Penny be activated for a game. Who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Okay. Keep it uh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he, he's ready coach put, put me in. I got, that's another thing I got wrong this year. I just thought that Penny would have a say in this team and he yep. just hasn't. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, all this, and they still have Dallas at Dallas next week. This, this yeah. Eagles schedule stretch is insane. You know, starting, you know, starting with Dallas before the bye week at home, which was a war. Then you get the bye. Then you get at KC. Then you get, uh, of, of course you get the Buffalo game. And now this one, you know, and now, and then Dallas on the road after that, yeah. just a heck of a stretch. Um, I, I, well, yeah. Luckily, they finish out with the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants. So it, it, it does come back around. But even you know, even after the Dallas game, you got to go to Seattle on a Monday night. I mean, that's not a that's not a gimme by any means. Uh, you know, obviously Seattle has been uh, a bit down on its luck, and it's going through you know an equally difficult stretch of schedule, partially because they have to play the Eagles. But um, you know, Seattle, uh, you never want to play that team on the road. So it's going to be stiff uh, for Philly. And if they lose this game against Dallas, you know, it's going to get interesting as far as you know the the top of the NFC East goes. I still think they're in the driver's seat right now. I, I think they feel pretty good about going into Dallas, but the way the Cowboys have played at home this season, um, you just never know. And I think for me, it's more of a test for Dallas at this point. Like we still know, like this is discouraging. If you're an Eagles fan, obviously losing this game 42 to 19, you know, and basically just allowing the, the, the Niners to turn into a freight train on offense for most of the game. Like it doesn't make you feel great if you have a rematch at some point uh, in the NFC playoffs. But um, I, I still think Philly on balance, you know, they have, they have the one true slip up against the Jets. Every team is allowed, I think, one of those, maybe two. Other than that, like they're, they're still the team to me that I, I trust maybe maybe only behind the 49ers as far as finding ways to win. So I, I don't think I, I don't think this is something that snowballs next week in Dallas. I, I still think we get a really close game, and I think the Eagles feel good about how they match up with that team. Yeah. Uh, Dallas is at the peak of their game, though, too. Uh, a little defensively, maybe not as much. But one of the refreshing things we've seen is a lot of high-scoring games. Uh, well, 
some uh, New England accepted and a few other uh, pockets oh, wow. in the Northeast accepted. Good. We'll get to that. But uh, there was a combined 63 points in this game despite horrible weather. There was the shootout against Buffalo despite horrible weather the week before. You know, I had people ask you, should I downgrade Purdy because of the weather? Like, no, don't. Not against the Eagles. Eagles do have some definite problems in their secondary. They may be without security guy Big Dom next week. Who knows? Uh, You know, (laughs) we'll see about that. But, um, yeah, it's just you can score against the Eagles. That's for sure. Uh, And the Niners seem to be getting better and better. Uh, any other takeaways from this game? Uh, I mean, this was this was a Debo Samuel game, right? Yeah, it I mean, was. this is a reminder. Yeah, I was. I'm always texting with my buddies during during Sunday games, and I'm just like, Debo Samuel is my favorite player, favorite non-jag in the okay. entire league. Like, if I if I could like build a, he's not the guy you'd want to start a franchise with by any means. Obviously, there's a bunch of quarterbacks and, and other players, but he is just it, when he's going, when he's rolling like he was. We had three touchdowns, one on the ground, two through the air, just bowling over guys. Like when he's fully healthy, man, he is just such a weapon and so fun to watch. Um, you know, fantasy wise, it actually ended up being still a, a decent day for the Eagles pass catchers. I mean, AJ Brown, eight for 114, didn't get in the end zone, but had himself a nice game, 13 targets, Devontae Smith, nine for 96, and to score. You know, what it really came down to is, you know, Philly was never able to run the ball. And it obviously it turned into a game where they, they couldn't really run the ball because you, know, you could be chewing clock. Um, but even early on, you know, when they put together those drives, they were they were they weren't ripping off big plays. You don't really rip off big running plays against San Francisco in general, but that was that was something to monitor. And and certainly we need to keep an eye on Jalen Hurts going forward. You know, he returned to the game. It was cleared without a concussion, but there's kind of been these lingering, like, is he banged up type of concerns? And, and now we have mm-hmm. this on top of it. Do you think doing all those tush push plays might be contributing to him getting a little banged up? Mm, maybe, maybe, I don't know. They make it look so easy that it, it's, it's hard to imagine him. You know, obviously he's a big part of, of why it's so effective, but you know, I, I guess, you know, taking a pouting, uh, you got, you got defenders kind of diving at you. It, it's possible. Um, but it's been so effective and, and, you know, it's, it's not like they're just barely getting these, right. I mean, there's, there's a couple, you know, they ran it once or twice in this game too, where it's like they need one yard and sometimes they'll pick up three or four. They're getting so much movement. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't want your quarterback taking that many hits, but I I wouldn't say that's the primary reason. No. Yeah. That's just something to kind of throw out there. I wonder the physical toll of that play. Um, all right. The night game, let's go there as the next, uh, I think impactful game, green Bay. You know, most, I mean, they, they pretty much were ahead most of the game in this one here. Uh, and they continue their strong play. Jordan Love played a pretty strong game. Christian Watson again stepping up. Uh, and the Chiefs offense, after looking good against the Raiders last week, went back to kind of looking pretty shaky again. Yeah, I, I thought the Chiefs offense, you know, up and down. Certainly, you know, there, there were a couple drives at the end that were just kind of those vintage Kansas city situations, right. Where they, they held green Bay to a field goal long, another long drive. And we'll talk about the Packers offense plenty, uh, but green Bay, you know, takes over with, with about 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter up four and, you know, you're, uh, or up two, excuse me at that point. And, you know, they chew off like four or five minutes. You know, they, they're held to a field goal after another really productive drive. They go right down the field, Kansas city defense, you know, finally gets a big stop. And you're like, all right, it's a one score game. Patrick Mahomes getting the ball back. They, how many times have they mentioned it on the broadcast? He's always wanted to play at Lambeau. This is his moment. And two plays later, he throws a pick to Keyshawn Nixon, right? I mean, it, it, we've, we've had a few of these just kind of weird, weird drives, weird plays by Patrick Mahomes this season. And, and that was a great play by Nixon to locate the ball. I don't think Mahomes ever really considered that that the, that the quarterback would have the ability to, to kind of turn around and make that play. Incredible play by Keyshawn Nixon. But yep. you know, those are the plays where in the past, that situation, it feels like the Chiefs always find a way to score a touchdown, right? And then it's on Green Bay to, to try to manufacture something at the end with Jordan Love. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, they, they, they force another field goal. It's an eight-point game. 
And you know, even with the you know, the controversial penalties on that drive, um, you, you just you didn't have that same kind of fear of Kansas City that you've had in the past, where everything has just felt inevitable. Like the the air of invincibility with this offense just doesn't feel like it's there this season. I, I did think they played pretty well. Like the thing was, and, and Matt Lafleur, I thought did a good job of highlighting this. I think it was either after the first quarter or after halftime. He said to the sideline reporter, "There's just been like no possessions in this game, right? I mean, both teams right. were chewing up both teams were chewing up so much clock that it." It didn't really feel like, you know, it was like an explosive offensive night for Kansas City by any means, and it wasn't, but they only had two true drives in the entire first half, right? I mean, they had... They had That's crazy. They, and one of them was a 13-play drive. One of them was a 14-play drive. They scored on their first four drives of the game, but it didn't really feel that way. Yeah, uh, and you're right. Shortening the game against Mahomes seems like a really good idea. Uh, yeah. it, it's just it, That's a good takeaway. And, you know, the Packers are able to accomplish this despite not... You know, I guess they, they didn't run poorly. AJ Dillon was fine. You know, Early he, had, on, he was running really well. Yeah. 18 for 73. Taylor had a couple, uh, you know, a couple runs uh, in there as well. They actually ran for 129 yards as a team. So that that's that's a good way to chew up some clock, too. Yeah, I thought the Packers, I mean, that was really the most impressive thing to me. And, and a big part of the reason that I was on KC this week was I thought, OK, yeah, Green Bay's offense is moving in the right direction. And they they absolutely hammered that that point home last night emphatically but I thought okay yeah you did it against the Chargers you did it against a a Lions defense that almost blew a huge lead again this past week to the Saints all right I want to see you do it against KC's defense because that's that's the defense that's been keeping this team in games that's the reason they were eight and three going into last night and and they did it right I mean those first two drives were I mean those were two of the cleanest drives the Packers have had all year I mean they didn't they didn't even have a whole lot of those last year with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, those were every single play. It felt like, you know, Jordan Love is picking the right option. He's wide open. I think he started 11 of 12 passing. Um, I mean, it was, it was, a, it turned into kind of a masterclass by Love in the second half, but I, I thought he was just it, the creativity in the offense. Like, and Collinsworth mentioned it on the telecast a couple of times. He's like, this is, this is the Matt LaFleur offense. This is not the Aaron Rodgers slash Matt LaFleur where Aaron Rodgers is actually calling the shots offense. This is what Matt LaFleur wants to run when he has a quarterback who will yeah. actually cooperate with him. And, and that's what it felt like, you know, the, we saw some of this early on in the season from Green Bay. You think back to week one against Chicago, like they're pulling out some trick plays, they're running more jet sweeps. And then it felt like they kind of got away from that in the early middle portion of the season when the offense had grinded to a halt. But now they're back to it. I mean, they had, you know, everybody was getting in on the act. Like obviously Christian Watson looked great. We'll have to keep an eye on that hamstring injury late. Yeah. You know, that, that's not, this would now be like the third or fourth time that the hamstring has been an issue for him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dobbs was in the mix, Dontavian Wicks, like Tucker Craft, all of a sudden looks like a pretty viable tight end for a team that has a few options there. Like it wasn't even a big night for Jaden Reed. I mean, they just have, they have a, a bunch of guys that I, I think they feel pretty comfortable, you know, getting the ball out in space and, and making things happen. So I was, that was the number one thing that stood out to me was Green Bay's consistency and the ease with which they move the ball on this Kansas City defense, especially in the first half. Although, I mean, how many injuries did the Chiefs have on just on the oh. defensive side alone? I mean, there were three or four times where, you know, it, it was, it was enough of a stoppage that they had to send the game to commercial. So there was some attrition there for Kansas city. They were down to their third string middle linebacker. I think that's part of it. Uh, but, but green Bay and, and Jordan love, man. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy that like three or four weeks ago, I was talking to my friends about like, man, I, I green Bay might, might need to start looking at a quarterback in the draft. And I mean, that just seems silly now. Yeah. Uh, it seems like they've got their franchise quarterback, which, Hey, tip your hat to them for that. I mean, that, that's, that's really a surprise. And you know, given how this season's going, but guess what? With with reps, sometimes players improve, and you know that that's the thing that's really, uh, you know that that that's really pretty funny about uh, the, uh, how we our opinions change so rapidly on that there, uh, and and Christian Watson, for that matter too. 
I, Mr. I can't make a contested catch is all of a sudden making contested catches. Uh, you know, he can't stay healthy, but I think I saw on Twitter the uh, a Will Fuller comp and that just like, yeah. oh, oh no, that <laughs> please don't be that. But yeah. I actually think that's a pretty decent comp. I think Watson's, you know, Watson's peak is, is probably better. You know, he should be a little more physical. He's, he's certainly, you know, better built than Will Fuller ever was. But yeah, I, I see why that makes sense. Um, you know, Watson did, he brought down a couple contested catches early. You know, the touchdown catch, initially it looked like a contested catch. And I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Watson. That was just a perfectly thrown ball by Jordan Love. Like it didn't actually end up being contested. Like the, the defender played it as well as he possibly could have. He jumped at the perfect time. And just couldn't get there. It was it was thrown in the one spot where it was you know an, an inch over his hand, but it was right into the hands and right into the target zone for Christian Watson. And, and you could just see, I mean, the, the confidence that Jordan Love was picking up as this game went along. I mean, it looked like you know, they they somewhat controversially decided to go for it on fourth and one. And you know, Love is flushed out of the pocket. He's he's backing up, backing up. You're like, oh boy. And just you know, I, I think the throw of the year for him dropping that in to Romeo Dobbs, you know, inside the red zone. Yeah, just a dime. Just a dime, man. You love seeing yeah. it there. Uh, Pacheco looked good for the Chiefs uh, until he got ejected for fighting. Uh, what? Well, how would you? That that happen. Sometimes you just got to punch somebody with a helmet on. Yeah, that's always smart play. Uh, how would you grade the punch? Good form. <laughs> well, he went with the left. I don't know if he's left-handed or not. I, I think it's insane. Like it, it takes a, it takes a special kind of uh, of person who's willing to just throw. I mean, that was an all-out punch right yeah. into a helmet, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway." Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, he didn't, he didn't really protest the ejection, right? I mean, by the, How by the time he? they announced it, he was already walking to the locker room. <laughs> so I, I think he knew what he did. Yes. Yes. It was towards the end too. Uh, but you know, it's, he had a hundred yard game and that was the one thing that is kind of working for them offensively. I mean, yeah, it's just, ever she rice is, you know, he, he's getting better and better. He's, he's getting to be an important part of that offense, but mm -hmm. still just seems like they're just a little bit off. All right. Um, What's not off is being on the Blue Wire Network. We always like being on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
All right, we are back. Thank you for indulging us with the Blue Wire Network ads. Um, let's move on to Miami, Washington. Nick, I actually took the commanders to cover thinking, oh, it's just, just too much, too much. And for like, and then like 12 seconds into the game, I'm like, I've made a huge mistake. And this, this is, this was so bad. This is like not even close. They were playing a lot of man on Tyreek Hill, which just yep. strikes me as know. a really bad idea. Yeah, uh, you know, Commanders punted on their first possession, and it took Miami three plays to jump out to a 7 nothing lead. Uh, that was the first long touchdown from Tua to Tyreek on the day. Just a really – just a classic Tyreek Hill play, right? Ran right past the defender. Great throw from Tua. Uh, we saw one later where they actually – they had Tyreek Hill almost lined up as like a like a H-back, kind of like an offset tight end. He's in a three-point stance, and, you know, just nobody really picked him up. Tua floats a perfect ball down the field for another long one. I mean – you're right. You got the feeling early on that Washington wasn't going to keep up. Like we knew Miami was going to score. That was something I was pretty confident in. The reason that we didn't take Miami in the circuit contest is we're thinking like, man, you know, this could be this could be 40 to 33. You know, they're down Jalen Phillips. Like maybe this is the week that, you know, Sam Howell and, and this Washington offense gets back on track and they could keep up. No, it was it was just never, never really a consideration. Uh, just a, another beatdown from Miami. And I know some people had concerns about this Dolphins team traveling, you know, not not, not a great surface in Washington. It was kind of foggy out there. I mean, it just didn't really seem to bother Miami whatsoever. I mean, this was, this was a complete romp. I, I believe I made this, I did make this my, my best bet in staff pick. So in, in retrospect, I wish I would have picked or pushed a little bit harder to use this one in the circuit contest, but um, yeah, just a pretty classic uh, Dolphins commanders game in, in 2023. Uh, I think there was, there was a case to be made for Washington keeping up, but I, I do think, you know, when, when, especially in retrospect, you look back and you're like, all right, if you play this game out, 10 times, 50 times, 100 times, like Miami winning by multiple scores is, is probably the most common result. And, and Washington right now, man, this is a this is a sinking ship. And you kind of forget that they dealt away, you know, two big defensive pieces at the deadline. And, and that certainly showed up yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Sam Hell was terrible in this game. Very bad. Fantasy wise, he got you two rushing touchdowns. So he was that was fine. That was great. Uh, but the pick six was horrible. He was 12 of 23. Uh, he got sacked only three times, but I mean, this was just, this was just a, a wash of a game and, you know, Terry McLaurin got shut out. Sam Hell is not good for Terry McLaurin. I think we can establish this. Uh, yeah, I know. And even, even like the weeks this year where Sam Howell has gone off and put up a ton of yards, it just, it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been Terry McLaurin benefiting. Uh, I mean, this was, this is his lowest point now, just three targets yesterday, Sam Howell, 12 of 23. 12 of 23 in a game that you were down 17 to nothing in the first quarter. Um, Washington just could not get anything going. And you mentioned the pick six. I mean, threw it right to, I believe it was Van Ginkle, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the classic, you know, linebacker defensive end interception. Like that actually, that's really what, what I think kind of set off the blowout because Miami yep. was already cruising at that point. But Miami had just come off a disaster three and out where they lost a bunch of yards. You know, Washington had a sack. There was a penalty. And, you know, Washington was taking over at like the 40-yard line. It was their best field position of the entire day. And if there was ever a time for, for them to, you know, get something going and, and try to keep this close, that would have been it. First play of the drive, pick six the other way at 17 nothing. And um, even though Washington did put together a touchdown drive after that, you, you just – you never really felt like they they had a chance. And, I mean, it was 31-7 to at the half. It, it, this this was another game – Miami's had a few of these this year where they called off the dogs in the second half. I mean, they, they yep. easily could have had 50-plus if they wanted. We saw uh, we saw a White Lotus, Mike White, uh, in yeah. there again. Uh, yeah, it was one of those games – Devon Achan got two touchdowns in the second half. Uh, you know, it, it def his return definitely hurts Mostert's volume, but Mostert yep. did at least get a score to kind of salvage his day. Um, and they kind of, like you said, they kind of 
took the foot off the pedal there in the second half. That game ended early, mercifully. <laughs> um, it was one of those, not as early as uh, Chargers New England, but still early. This was this was like an NBA game where a team's up 30 going into the fourth. I mean, you just look at the snap count. Like Tyreek Hill played 31 snaps. Jalen Waddle played 37 snaps. I mean, you basically played like a half game for some of your key players. So that I mean, that's big when you when you get this late in the season. You know, you've yeah. had your buy already. Yeah. Um, you know, not not having to to overextend players like that in these situations is something that I think is a little bit underrated. Snap wise, Achan 37, 23 for Mostert. Again, given the game flow, kind of hard to say you know exactly what that means, but. Um, you know, this is kind of the, the first actual return game for HM because he got hurt so early a couple of weeks ago. And um, I, I, th- I still think we might need you know a, a little bit more of a sample to see what that split is going to be. They got the Titans and the Jets the next two weeks. So, you know, better run defenses uh, than the commanders, certainly, uh, but still games that you could see, you know, kind of turning into into laughers in favor of Miami. Yeah. And, you know, they could go into the Christmas weekend uh, at 11 and three. But they finished with Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. So it's going to be, oh my God, that's going to be so much fun. That was in Miami. Yes. Yes. I, I'm very much looking forward to that. Kind of reminiscent of Miami Green Bay last year, where I was looking yep. forward to that one. And then, then Tua got concussed and it wasn't so much fun anymore. So, uh, but yeah, uh, this, this is one where definitely kind of circle that one, that one there. And yeah, we'll see. You're looking forward to that. But they're in pretty, pretty good shape there. Washington finally gets their buy along with Arizona week 14 buy. So weird. Yeah. Very weird. I was talking about that with, with some guys this weekend. And it's like, it's, it's equally weird to take your buy in like week five. I think that's the earliest you could do it. I, I, I think week 14 is the worst, right? And it's like, yeah. is it a coincidence that two of the worst teams in the NFL have it in week 14? Maybe, maybe not. You hated owners um, at least yeah, right. previously like, in the case of Washington, but yeah. Week 14, man. It's, it feels like, like the season's basically over. It's like, what are you doing taking it in week 14? I don't, I don't know how much choice these teams actually have, but. Uh, in this yeah, case, you know, really, both those teams, are, it is over pretty much, you know, despite right. Arizona's performance this week. Yeah. Those are, those are two teams. I'm okay. Just leave it off the schedule for a week. That's fine. Indeed. One, uh, one more Arizona. I mean, one more uh, note from the uh, Miami side quite or question from Lindorfins asking, where would you be ranking HN going forward in a half point PPR league? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say, like give like an actual number. I, I'm pretty high on it, man. Like I, I think this is me too. It, it's, it's something that's tough to quantify for fantasy, but like, I think Miami is like excited to get him back and they want to get him integrated. Right. Like I, I don't think this is a early season Jameer Gibbs situation where it's like, Oh, we got to get him up to speed. It's like, no, this guy is a weapon for this offense. And I, I think they want to show him off. And, you know, I, I think against, against the jets and the, and the Titans these next couple of weeks, uh, again, those are not, those aren't exactly like plus run defenses in terms of matchup, but I don't even know if it matters really for Miami, the, the way that they're able to scheme up against inferior teams talent wise. I think those should be good spots. I mean, the Dallas game that, that, that could easily be a game that's played in the forties. You know, and I, I don't, you know, I try to use that pretty judiciously, but I, I think the way that both of these offenses and really both these defenses are playing right now, that could be a shootout game. So I, I want them in the lineup. No question. I mean, it, it, again, it's hard to say you have to look at the matchups week to week, um, but like, how, how about just HN versus Moster? Like, how close are those guys going to be in your value meter? I already had HN like ten spots ahead of Moster this past week because HN can be a top three guy in a given week. I don't yeah. Moster. I mean, he's he could be. It, he needs happened. the touchdowns, uh, and he's been getting touchdowns. He's, right. Was he up to seventeen or something like that? Yes, yeah, se- fourteen rushing touchdowns so far and two receiving he, ones for. He's Mostert. also stopped catching passes lately as well yes. that's something that's something to monitor even even when HN was still out you know Mostert has three total catches over the last six games yep that's right that's right so I would put HN in my top 10 uh yep. and I, I like I take him over Josh Jacobs um yep. 
I take him probably. I take Kamara ahead of him. I, I'm looking at our half point PPR rankings, and mine are a little bit different than the official site ones. But uh, I, I take him over Swift. I take him over Walker. Who knows what the injury to, uh, his Walker's injury status? Uh, yeah, HM would be pretty high on my list. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so, I, I think I think you said it. You know, there's there's something to be said for the true upside, right? Where it's like. Yeah. You know, Mostert, you can still argue on, on some weeks, Mostert is, is maybe the safer option. So it kind of depends on your situation. Like if you're, if you're, if you're looking, if you're kind of treading water, you know, um, and, and you're looking for like a, a Hail Mary, like, all right, I need to, you know, I need to win for my last five or whatever, uh, depending on what format you're in or your two of your next three. I, I think you go HN, right? O- over whatever comparable option there might be, because, you know, you're, you're not going to feel great about it if you miss out on the 38 point week, because that, you know, he's the, he's one of very few guys in the league that can give you that. Exactly. Uh, dynasty question, HN or Brees Hall? Ooh, oh, man. Um, I, oh, that's so tough. I, yeah, it is. I think HN, I think HN, right? Yeah. I don't know. It depends. I mean, I, I think both of those running back groups could look very different next year. I, I think both guys are, are installed, you know, within their offenses, but you also like the clock is also one year behind on HN when it comes to like, I, I don't think running back negotiations are going to go a whole lot better in the future, you know, like and, and Brees mm-hmm. Hall is, is one year ahead in, in terms of the contract stuff. So if you're looking like next two to three years and perhaps beyond, I, I think I would go HN. Yeah. And there's no sign that the jets offensive line is going to be any good. And you know, who knows what they're yeah. going to be able to do next year, but their, their line is so trash right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you all you have to do any given week is look at Brees Hall's rushing uh, numbers. Right. They're, they're horrific. And yeah. it's Aaron, not Aaron Rodgers is not single-handedly solving that. Like I, I just no. I want I want a piece of the Dolphins' offense. If they're if you think they're pretty comparable players, which I think they are, yeah. I would rather I'd rather have the guy that plays for the Dolphins than the Jets. Indeed, uh, we're going to talk Indy Tennessee and the the best um, early slate game uh, early slate game. But uh, before we do that, a quick note from our friends at Circa: Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside, stadium swims, big game viewing party. Massive scream, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circus Sports for the Big Game Bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Let's talk a little Colts and Titans. This game was all over the map. Uh, there was there was a lot going on this one. Tennessee jumped them early. Uh, Derrick Henry looked good early, two early touchdowns. Second half, the Tennessee offense just went shuttered until very late. And then, of course, we had all sorts of special team shenanigans. The Colts with the rally in overtime. This was this was a very entertaining game. This was an unbelievably entertaining game. I, I would say, if just pure entertainment value, this is up there with any game that we've seen this season. Like we had some some ultra unique plays. We had we we had a you know, a kicker punting. We had Ryan Tannehill stepping in as a holder at one point because the the Titans punter took like two of the hardest hits that you'll ever see a punter take, including yep. one that. Looked like it was going to snap his leg. And uh, it is the easy. second, the yep. second of two block punts for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, one of which was returned for a touchdown, and then the the Colts go for two, and it's picked off and returned all the way for for two points for Tennessee. And then the next one, they they block another one, get it at like the six yard line, and have to settle for a field goal. So you know, two 
massive game swinging plays. Like I, I'd have to look up like how many teams block two kicks in a game and then still almost lose that game. Like Indy obviously barely squeaked this one out in overtime, like for, for especially where they block those. Right. I mean, one of them turns yeah. directly into a touchdown. One of them, uh, you know, you, you're set up like deep in the red zone and not able to finish that out. Just a bizarre game on so many levels. I, you know, I love Gardner Minshew. I will defend him to the death. Uh, I, I, I love and honor what he did as a member of the Jaguars. I'm also glad he's not the Jaguars quarterback because like this, this goes down as a good Gardner Minshew game. Yes. There are still, I mean, the, the amount of chaotic plays that this guy makes, like he, he very nearly threw a game losing screen pass with oh my like gosh. 20 seconds on the clock. Like that was, yes. and, and and right after that, Indy's like, we're shutting it down. We're just taking a knee. We can't risk <laughs> yeah. It. I saw like, that. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, it was just such a classic Gardner Minshew play. Like if you're like, who's the number one quarterback that would throw a pick six on a two point conversion attempt. You'd be like, all right, one Javis Winston, who we did see, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. uh, in a little bit. And two Gardner Minshew. I mean, he is, people joke that he's white Jameis, but he actually is, man. Like it, it's, it's unbelievable how many risks he's willing to take. How like in, in that situation at the end of the game, like you're looking to, maybe you know you have like a five percent chance to hit some sort of big play and, and maybe get a field goal off the last thing you need to do is throw the ball directly into the arms of a defender who is very very close to picking that off and and probably rumbling in for a touchdown i mean it's just it was the full guard to experience it was the full the full indianapolis colts experience really in, in a lot of ways i mean the colts were were generating some big plays and they were digging deep into the playbook you know ran a couple trick plays uh that that went well for them but at the same time and this is not there's not a defense uh, that, that I have a lot of trust in right now. And, um, you know, Tennessee ran the ball well early in this game. Still, like you said, the offense kind of grinded to a halt in the second half. But um, Indy is the type of team that you know, we, we, we say all the time, like they can they can hang in with anybody. They can also lose to anybody. And you know, allowing 28 points to the Titans, that is that is a red flag for, for this defense. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Gardner Minshew is Uncle Rico. Uh, yeah. He, he... He just he has the weird throwing motion. It all fits. Uh, just the facial hair, all that. Uh, yeah. It it God that that play right before uh, overtime. Oh my goodness, that was su- such a bad throw. Uh, and then yet he drops a dime on the deep ball. He unlocks Alec Pierce. Uh, yeah. and they, they 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 almost played like that whole game setting up the overtime play for Pierce. Uh, it was it was pretty funny. Uh, but uh, yeah. Uh. Will Levis, not great. He and uh, DeAndre Hopkins got into it on the sidelines. I though I think he was it was more like Levis yelling at Hopkins more than anything else instead of the other way around. And they did improve after that for a little bit. Uh Chig had a really bad drop, but he also had yeah. like a big play early on, um which was nice to see him actually involved a little bit. The Titans run weird plays. They run like these like tight end jet sweeps. Uh it's like Arthur Smith's not there anymore, but he's still there in spirit. I don't know. Um, well, the Colts they, were doing the same thing. I mean, Kylan Granson, yeah. you know, was was running the ball. He was like way too involved for my taste in this one. Uh, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, yeah, Chig ran the ball. Um, yeah, we had very weird game all around. You know, Tajay Spears actually looked pretty good again. You know, sixteen for seventy-five. He and Henry uh, combined for almost one hundred eighty yards, but it took him thirty-seven carries to get there. So it was not an, an overly efficient day necessarily for Tennessee. Uh, we had one of the more unique plays that you'll ever see. Will Levis throwing what appeared to be an interception, Im- like immediately knowing that it was a bad throw, and then sprinting to make the tackle and, and force a fumble uh, on the Indianapolis Colts, which I, I don't think I've ever seen that. A, a quarterback like following his shot like in an NBA game. Yeah, and, and they officially ruled it a fumble. Uh, yeah. So, And he knew. I think that was the thing. The awareness factor was high. Um, and then since because it was a fumble, they didn't have to rule whether it was a catch or not by the defender. Um, and the uh, tackle by Levis and the recovery. I mean, it was, it was great awareness, got him a first down because of that there, yep. but wow. Um, yeah, 
not not a great uh, offensive game for Tennessee, despite them getting the points early. But that's that's every Tennessee game. As yeah. we alluded to, they're at Miami. Uh, we get a a double Monday nighter here uh, yeah. again at the same time this time too. Very odd schedule. I I just noticed that. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize that we're at the same time. I knew we had two this week, and yeah, you're right. Both at 7:15. Packers, Giants, Titans, Dolphins. Okay, oh, good. Giants yeah. on prime time again. Oh, lucky us. <laughs> Why we we have flex scheduling, right? I, I these are. I mean, I look. These are two big markets. I think there's a reason that this game is not flexed, and I, I know there's yeah. like exclusive TV rights and whatnot. It's it's a little bit. It's actually much more difficult than people realize. I think to flex these games, but sure. um, you know, Packers have become a fun team to watch. So at least that'll be interesting, but. Yeah, Titans, Dolphins, we'll see. Uh, I, don't, I don't see that one going very well for Tennessee, who is, I don't know if they're mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. I don't think they are, but this was the one. I mean, this was the one that they absolutely needed to have if they had any hope. Yeah. The ESPN page, I look at I look at their schedule, uh, their page, their schedule page, and they have a link to tickets. Uh, there are so many ga- like games now where the tickets are super low. Jets are at home again this week. Yeah. Tickets as low as $21. Tickets for that Giants Monday night game as low as $30. They're not going to sell out. It's pretty clear, yeah. Uh, but yeah, at least we don't have like the rest of the way too. I mean, they go yeah. Dolphins, Texans, Seahawks, Texans, Jags. I mean, there there might not be another win on there. Uh, we'll we'll see how Tennessee handles that. Yeah, so we'll we'll move on from them. Uh, you alluded a little bit to oh, but and then so Henry, by the way, concussion. We got to check to see yep. what his status is this week. Obviously, Tajay Spears, if he's available in your leagues, will be a very hot pickup. They they did say this morning that Henry is not concussed. That came okay. straight from Vrabel. So I don't I don't think he misses any time. But either way, I think you want yeah. to pick up Tajay Spears because, you know, even though they're not mathematically eliminated, I think they know where they are. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more Spears just to kind of take some of the workload off of Henry the rest of the way. Uh, Tennessee also did fire its special teams coordinator this morning as well. Shocking. So Shocking. Um, yeah, hard hard to see what led to that. Yeah, and by the way, uh, the punter is out for the season. I mean, he couldn't even get it off his leg on the second one there. It was so bad. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Both. I mean, both of them were those. Those were as easy of, of a pump block as you'll ever see. Uh, yeah. I thought the second the second one was somehow more egregious than the first. Yeah. You can't put it on the punter there at no. that point in time. OK, Detroit, New Orleans, Detroit absolutely jumped the Saints in the first quarter of this game. The Saints rallied, actually had a legitimate chance to win this one. Yeah. And we were, you know. The thing that we we're clamoring for is to see Jameis Winston out there. This is why we don't see Jameis Winston out there. He was terrible, just horrible in this game. The one big, like one big pass play he had was on a tip play. Yeah. It would have been picked off twice, possibly. Um, the fourth down throw was just, he missed Olave on third and fourth down on the final drive, and they were both terrible throws when Olave yeah. was open. Uh, this is why we don't see Jameis because bad Jameis exists. Unfortunately, you're right. I know. I, I, I love watching Jameis. I think the Saints are too. significantly, they're a more fun team with Jameis out there. Uh, I mean, Carr was not not great in this game either, although he was the one that really uh, you know, kind of got them back into it. Uh, you know, Really, it was more so Taysom Hill and, and Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Nice day for Olave. You know, 119 yards on five catches, eight targets. About the usual from Kamara. Six catches on, on eight targets. Not overly effective on the ground, but did give you two touchdowns. So big fantasy day for him. Just a yeah, bizarre game. I mean, this one felt like it was over, over. And you're thinking, like, man, Detroit might win this thing by 30. Um, never really expected New Orleans to get back into it. You know, Detroit, uh, you know, after coming out strong, they're up 21-0. You know, they end up punting, and I think three or four possessions in a row. Uh, did get a, a big touchdown from Jamison Williams. This came, you know, right after a fumble by the New Orleans Saints. Uh, that was a Derek Carr fumble. 
you know, that was that was at the time that New Orleans had, had kind of fully made its charge. You know, they had they had gone on a twenty-one to three run at that point, and that was a huge, huge drive. So, you know, first play of the drive, you force a fumble deep in Saints territory, uh, and then a really nice, you know, kind of reverse play to Jamison Williams, who essentially just ran in on touch. And you saw the you saw the raw speed from Williams, like getting yes, him the yeah. ball, getting him the ball when he's already moving. My goodness, I mean, that was that looked like Jamison Williams at Al, at Alabama. I mean, that, he's one of those guys that that jumps off the screen even in the NFL as far as how much faster he's moving than everybody else. So Detroit getting that score was, was big, but you know, New Orleans still put together a nice drive after that. They come back down, you know, get it, get, get it back to a one score game, force a quick three and out by Detroit. And and then, like you said, you know, Jameis is in the game at this point, the Olave throw on fourth down was just so, so bad. I, I yeah. think it was, it was kind of a timing route. You know, you could say maybe they were just weren't on the same page, but Olave was open. I mean, that's a throw you just got to make. I thought Jameis actually threw it. He threw it a little too early. I think he thought Olave was going to break one way and Olave broke the other way. That's what at least what it looked like to me. And I think if Jameis just waits like another, you know, quarter of a second, he yep. sees where Olave is going, and that's an easy completion to keep that drive going. Absolutely. And the play before too, Olave broke wide open and he threw it behind him again and yep. all that. Now Olave miss makes some mistakes every once in a while. Derek Carr actually threw a pretty a decent deep ball, slightly underthrown. Olave should have come down with it and didn't, but yep. I mean he made other great catches, another great catch later in the drive, too. So Tough, tough to totally rip on either quarterback. Juwan Johnson had a bad uh, non-catch that led to an interception. Ended up getting shut out in this game after, yeah. you know, we thought he might be doing a lot more with Shahid out. Instead, it turned out he didn't. Um, Alave was able to play at least. So he was the rare concussed guy that actually was able to play um, and, and had a pretty big day just without yeah. getting into the end zone. Uh, Taysom Hill had a bit. It was very effective. You know, so this was my, like, I have red zone on one TV and the other, other are the local. Uh, I usually have a local game uh, and this was the local one. So I saw pretty much every play of this game already. Didn't have to do the rewatch and the announcers like they, it's so funny. They bemoaned Taysom Hill being taken out of the game when he got to the one yard lines and Kamara got the touchdown, but Kamara had a touchdown taken off the books where Hill got the touchdown. So it was like the universe was writing itself there. I thought, yeah, but, well, I mean, Hill also fumbled in the red zone last week. So I, yep. I, I get it. Um, you know, does this game, does it do anything for your defensive concerns about Detroit? You know, like the, the total yardage for the Saints came in at about 362. They actually they outgained Detroit. You know, they, they ran yeah. 11 more plays. They had more first downs. They were effective on third down. Um, obviously, you know, good on Detroit for, for hanging on to win. But I, I think if you're a Lions fan, man, you, you kind of felt like, all right, early on, this is the team that we thought we had. We're back to where, you know, we're back to where we were three weeks ago after those weird games against Chicago and Green Bay. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Detroit – so they, they, I think the gap between Philly and San Francisco and maybe San Francisco and everybody else feels like it, it kind of continues to widen Agreed. each week. And, you know, Detroit now, to me, even though they're going to end up being a higher seed than Dallas or Philly, they are very, very clearly, to me, a, a rung below those other three teams. Honestly, I'm more concerned about the offense than the defense. Because really? uh, uh, they scored on short fields, right? Uh, yeah. They got that early lead, and they got shut down for pretty much all, all the way until the end, and they scored on another short field on the reverse. I love the the gratuitous leap by Williams, by the way, on the on the scoring in the end zone there. He love it. I didn't have to obviously. I didn't have to. Do that. He got up pretty high though too. It was pretty cool. That to was see. that was the old like USC Reggie Bush, you know, dive yep. into a into a front flip uh, or a, some more of a somersault, I suppose. But yeah, exactly. I, 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 if I scored a touchdown in the NFL, I would I would absolutely get it. Oh, a yeah. celebration penalty. So I'm I'm all for all that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not not a whole lot else to say in this game. I mean, Sam Laporta, arguably best game of the year, nine for one forty, caught all nine of his targets, had a touchdown. Yep. Amon Rossi Brown, only two catches. Uh, they were both big ones, though. One of them went for a touchdown. Yeah, just kind of a kind of a weird game for Detroit. Like you said, a lot of short fields, 
Uh, you know, Derek Carr got his weekly terrible interception out of the way on his first pass of the entire game, which came right after a dominant touchdown drive by yep. Detroit, and it kind of set off, you know, what what seemed like was going to be a blowout. I the one thing I actually had in my notes for this game, and it, it's completely like irrelevant, but it, it to me just kind of sums up who the Saints are. There was a play, I believe it was a third down. It was like third and eight or something, and Derek Carr drops back. Nobody's open. He, he sees Taysom Hill out in the flat, looks at him, notices that he's covered, looks back to the middle of the field. And then turns and throws it to Taysom Hill anyway, who's who was tackled immediately as he's hit, yeah. as he catches the ball. Like, what are you doing? I mean, I, I, that that is the the epitome of the Saints' offense at this point is just knowing that whatever play I make here, we're not getting the first down. Saints fans are booing every time Carr comes on the field and Taysom Hill comes off. It's uh, it's not a pretty. Uh, yeah. not a pretty well, we'll see about Carr next week too. I mean, he he, would, yeah, he ended up in concussion protocol. He had a shoulder injury and a rib injury. So I, I know it seems like the shoulder is not as severe as maybe they initially thought. Uh, but I think the the confluence of those three things could add up to a Jameis start next week. It could very well, and all that comes with that. Uh, all right, Houston-Denver, last of the good early games. Um, and this was kind of – I mean, this was kind of disappointing, but when you, when you it's like in the context of every other Denver game late, lately, um, it makes a little bit more sense. This was kind of a grinded-out sort of game for Houston after they jumped them early, got that 13 nothing lead. Uh, and then it took them a while to, to do a whole lot else. Damian Pierce got the touchdown and got more carries in Devin Singletary this week because, of course, he did. Um, I'm kind of annoyed at the Texans for that, by the way. Singletary was the more effective per carry back. Yep. Uh, they just decided this is the week we're going to force Damian Pierce. Yeah, that was surprising. It was a little strange. Uh, you know, in terms of in terms of snaps, Singletary actually did out snap him. Uh, but was used more in passing situations, eight carries on 31 snaps for Singletary, 15 carries on 26 snaps for Damian Pierce. So basically, if he was out there, he was going to be involved. We saw a little bit of Daria Gubawale as well, uh, yes. a little bit more of him than we needed uh, as a running back, not a kicker, right. mind you. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the big news coming out of this is is the Tank Dowell injury, right. which is just, just brutal, man. I mean, one of the most fun players in the league. I mean, having a really, really strong rookie season. And, you know, I, I don't know that, that the absence of Tank Dell, who will he's going to miss the rest of the year, we know that. I don't. I don't think this like knocks the Texans out of playoff contention or anything like that. But if they get in, it's like not having Tank Dell. It, it lowers the ceiling to me for this offense, which the ceiling is still pretty high. But Tank Dell was, was such an integral part of what they were doing, especially trying to get big plays downfield. And you, you take him out of the equation, and you know this this team is still really fun, but they're they're, they're missing their most fun piece. Yeah, that's right. And the, how we got hurt blocking on a goal line situation there. Uh, he's not a blocker. Stop. Don't put him. And they, they had literally just flashed a graphic that said he's so small. He's 165 pounds. That's so rare. Yeah. And then like, you know, two minutes of real time later, he's being carted off. Oh, and it was an immediate visceral reaction from his team too. I mean, yeah. that was, we, we had a few of those this week, man. It felt, it yeah. felt like there were, there were so many, you know, cart stoppages and you just hate to see it. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it sucks, man. It, but you know, still a huge win for Houston at home. They they hang on for the cover. This was one that literally came down to the final play of the game. Yep. Uh, you know, Denver doing what they do, finding a way to you know, even after Russell Wilson you know throws a, a second crushing interception to Derek Stingley, uh, big stop by the Broncos defense, um, and you know drive all the way down the field. You're in pretty good position. You know, first and goal at the eight with 23 seconds left, and um, you know Russell Wilson for the most part has done a really good job of, of taking taking care of the ball, especially over these last five games that they had one coming into this one, but three interceptions for Russell Wilson. And obviously that last one was the biggest. Yeah. There was a sequence in the fourth quarter where it went uh, Stroud 
fumbles on third down and the Broncos had like four chances to recover that play. That was unbelievable. I, if um, I was a Broncos fan, I, I, I mean, a guy jumped on it. I don't know how he didn't, I, like the ball just somehow didn't end up in his possession. His, his entire body was on the ball. It was crazy. Uh, punt, then interception, then Houston touchdown. I mean, it, that that was the game right there. Because, uh, you know, Denver scored after that to make it 22-17, and, but still, they couldn't get the two scores. I mean, that, that's a huge, massive swing there, and that, that they, yeah. they couldn't fully recover from that. Houston goes on the road at the Jets next week. Uh, Going to be a tough matchup for C.J. Stroud. I mean, every quarterback that goes to face the Jets on the road, and they've had a bunch of them go into New York, a, a yeah. bunch of top ones go in, have struggled against the Jets. Uh, I don't expect a big game, especially now with no Tank Dell. I don't expect a big game per se, but I, I still think he could do all right. Um, you know, taking Dell out of the equation is pretty huge. And, you know, we'll see what the status is of, you know, Noah Brown, who was banged up coming into the week. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. But yeah, they're, they're going to need somebody to step up. I don't know if Robert Woods is that guy. You know, we did see more. We did see more John Mechie uh, after Tank Dell mm-hmm. went out. Uh, he played 24 snaps. It's a, a bit more than he's typically been playing, but it was really Collins and Brown who were the two primary guys. So I, I think Nico Collins rest of season, his arrow is up, um, you know, not for the reasons that we would like, but, you know, he's still a, a big time fantasy receiver. And, you know, I, I think the Jets, it's an interesting matchup because Houston can't run the ball. The Jets are great at stopping the run. I think the Jets know that they can't run the ball. It's like, does Houston even try? Like, this might be, this might be, a, I, I think it could still be a really good game for CJ Stroud fantasy wise, because I think it's going to be high volume by default. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I think it, you know, I, it's, I'm curious to see what uh, role Noah Brown has because, yeah. He played 50 snaps, but only had the two targets. Uh, I, you know, even after, you know, Dell gets hurt early, you know, Brown was so huge in those in weeks nine and 10. Actually, even in week eight against Carolina, he he had 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 a role there, too. So he had these three weeks where he's pretty good. And then, you know, he's obviously missed the last two. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think they kind of need him now. I think they need that for some balance. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just going to be Nico Collins, Nico Collins, and Nico Collins with an occasional Brevin Jordan sprint, sprinkled in. We'll see I what Brevin Jordan looked pretty good, by the way. He I mean, did, by the way. He can move, man. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really look like a tight end. Like he's kind of a almost a, a hybrid, you know, Kyle Pitsy type of player, and, and doesn't have quite as much size as Pitts. So I actually like what I saw from him. I'll be curious to see if they try to integrate him a little bit more without Tank Dell. Um, obviously, they didn't have Dalton Schultz this week, and that's why we saw more of Brevin Jordan, but. Nonetheless, I mean, huge win. I mean, this was a, a monster swing game. One of the most important singular games that we've had so far this season as far as playoff standings are concerned. And now, obviously, this gives Houston a leg up on Denver. Uh, you know, great day, by the way, for the Buffalo Bills uh, as they try to hang around in the AFC. I mean, you, you got yeah. Pittsburgh losing, you got Cleveland losing, and then you knew at least one, uh, you know, if Houston and, and Denver was going to lose. Uh, obviously, the Colts getting a win, that was not great. Uh, but overall, on balance, you know, three teams ahead of you taking a loss. That's pretty big for Buffalo. And I... I still think the Bills find a way to sneak in. Yeah, I, I think so too. And uh, I think uh, it, we'll see. I mean, does ten and seven get it done? I think so. I think so. I don't. I don't think all of you know. It, if it doesn't get it done, I mean, that maybe it comes down to tiebreakers. But it's like, is Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indy, and or Houston are they are all those teams getting to eleven? I, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, you know, Pittsburgh is, you know, they we're going to get to them in a second here, but th- their their chances took a huge blow yesterday. Huge, right. huge. Yeah. We'll talk about that game next, in fact. Uh, but first, before we do that, quick note from our other sponsor, Splash. 
Rotowire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 foot fantasy football season. Splash Sports empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season-long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles such as DFS, Pick X, and Traditional Survivor. And unlike traditional sports books, Splash Sports pitch you against friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond betting, a space where friends can connect, strategize, and share in the excitement of sports. Rotowire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the Rotowire experts? Visit rotowire.com slash splash to enter today. Okay, let's let's talk a little uh, Arizona and Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett, he's going to be out for a while. Just had surgery this morning for that high ankle sprain. Um, this is devastating game for Pittsburgh. Era of good feelings. Their first drive, they're rolling. They had to settle for three, though. Uh, and then the 3-3 game, Pickett gets hurt. And the whole game changed after that. They they go for it on fourth and down, fourth and goal from the one. They get stopped on the one. Najee Harris gets stuffed. Arizona drives the whole length of the field to score and goes up 10-3. And then two weather delays. The game just ended about 12 minutes ago. Uh, and, and Pittsburgh still has not figured things out. They're going to be without picking picket for at least three to four weeks, I'm guessing, with the high ankle injury uh, there. They're not putting him on IR yet, but this is just a devastating loss for Pittsburgh. Devastating loss for Pittsburgh. Devastating loss for me, personally. Uh, I'm not looking forward to talking to our guy Brandon Kravitz on the show because... Oh, yeah, that's right. We went head-to-head on this one. I was off the Steelers. Like, this was... I think this is my biggest miss of the season. Um, you know, I was all, I thought, I, I thought Pittsburgh minus five and a half was a bargain. I, I did not think that Arizona would get anywhere close to 24 points in this game. Like I was, I was up on the soapbox saying, man, you know, even if Pittsburgh leaves a bunch of points on the table, like they, they could win 16 to 10, just like they did last week against Cincinnati. This was a, a top down dis- disaster game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I even, I even went over to the, the local Potawatomi sports book here, Jeff, uh, on, on Saturday uh, you know, during the college football games, I was hanging out with some buddies there. We went to the book, wanted to check it out. And, you know, I put together some, some nice, you know, parlays for the day just for fun. And the Steelers sunk every single one of those uh, oh. left a lot of money on the table because Pittsburgh, you know, even some of them were just Pittsburgh money line. And I was like, you know what, this is the game I feel most confident about. I got to make sure I tie in the Steelers. And you, you just knew right away, man, it was like, the, the, you know, they had to settle for a field goal on their first drive. Like Pittsburgh looked great to start this game. You know, they drive right down the field. It's first and 10 at the Arizona 15. And they can't pick it up from there, but you're like, all right, settle for a field goal, whatever. Um, after that, it, there was virtually nothing for for the Steelers offense. And, you know, not only being stuffed at the goal line on that fourth and one, but then but then allowing a 15 play 99 yard touchdown drive yep. before the half. I mean, that was that was insult to injury. And then, you know, you mentioned the weather delays, right? I mean, there, there were two long weather delays. The first one was probably, what, 30 to 40 minutes. They come back and then it was like two hours. I mean, that in that situation, it's like, Sometimes you think, all right, maybe this helps the home team, but it, it did not. You know, Pittsburgh looked like the same team coming out of the weather delay. Uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky ends up coming in for for Kenny Pickett, fumbled snap on his first drive. Didn't really know if that was his fault. It was kind of a bad snap, but still one that he should have at least been able to dive on. Like, didn't really make much of an yep. effort to even recover the football. That leads directly to another Arizona touchdown. And look, Matt Canada or not, Kenny Pickett or not, the, even when, even when the Steelers are playing good offense, they're not a team that's built to come back from down seventeen to three. And it's certainly not built to come back from 24 to three, which is what this game ended up being at one point in the fourth quarter. So yeah, just a, a huge no-show by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought the defense looked horrible. TJ Watt was completely invisible. Ended up getting banged up in the second half of this game. Uh, you know, it's funny. The Steelers always say like, well, you know, when Pickett goes out, 
there's no change. We feel great about Mitchell Trubisky. He's just uninspiring, man. You could argue that he's not that big of a step down for Pickett, but um, I, I just, I don't, I have nearly the same level of trust in him. And it looks like that's who we're going to be looking at going forward because I don't think Kenny Pickett's playing again, at least in the regular season. Luckily, they do play the Patriots this week. That's still a game that I think you can win. After that, Colts, Bengals, Seahawks, Ravens. I, I think the Steelers team is teetering right now. And, and if I had to bet it, I, I don't think they make the playoffs. But at the same time, you got the Cleveland Browns who are now in a very similar boat, if not worse. Right. Well, we could see both of those teams dropping out of it very easily. I mean, you could yeah. see like it's Denver and Buffalo. The Bills are getting it. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. The Bills have a, t- a scheduling problem, but yeah. I think they're still like the talent's still there for sure. Um, but uh, sorry about that. A uh, little sniffle. Um, yeah. yeah. The, who knows? Maybe the Chargers still have some life. No. Although, I don't know. Let's talk Absolutely about that not. game. Let's talk about that game. We're, we're at the part of the schedule now where we can whip through these games because very little to talk about. Quentin Johnson dropped another ball, blah, blah, blah. Chargers dropped six balls of the team and can't run the ball. And they're the winning side of this six nothing Travis Diva game. I know there was windy, but come on. Yeah, man, and this was as ugly as it possibly could have been. I don't, I don't really know how we got over five hundred yards of total offense in this game. I need, I think we need to, you know, go back and, and double check the stats. It doesn't really add up to the product on the field. Uh, you know, one of one of my my best bets this week, uh, Jeff, was Austin Eckler under fifty one and a half rushing yards. The Chargers had twenty nine rushing yards as a team. In this game, 29 as a team, Austin Eckler, 14 carries, 18 yards. Awful. Josh Kelly, no more effective whatsoever. Uh, I mean, this was just, it was an awful watch. I, I think we actually set a new record this season for fewest time spent on red zone in any game. Like there was, I, I think red zone flashed to this game literally three total times over like a three and a half hour period. I mean, why would you? I mean, it, it was, it was so bad. Uh, they did it. A, yeah. There was a couple of times here and there, but. You know, you had Ramondre getting hurt early on, too. That was horrible. Uh, Yeah, Bailey Zappi is Mac Jones. I mean, who who knew except everybody? Uh, If you're if you're if you're following Tankathon, this was good for the Pats. Uh, Mike Doria sent me a link of that one there. Um, So uh, he is absolutely following that. Uh, If you're the Pats, do you prefer uh, do you prefer Drake May or do you prefer Caleb Williams? I, I'm still a Caleb Williams guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I just I think there's more upside there. I, I think I think he's suffering from being in the limelight for too long, which happens to a ton of major prospects, whether they turn out to be good or not. But when you're when you're the projected number one pick and you're still not even draft eligible, you really you really have nowhere to go but down from there. And I, I think Caleb Williams, given the circumstances, has still had a hell of a season, uh, especially a hell of a first half at, at USC. And I, I think you know when when, when you're kind of considered this like perfect prospect. Again, the only thing you can really do at that point is, is have people take shots at you. So I, I think just by virtue of having to play out the season with the ridiculous, unrealistic expectations that he had, um, mm-hmm. it feels like his stock is on the decline. But I, I think a lot of NFL people would tell you that he's you know, still an all-time quarterback prospect. So that's that's a guy I would want personally. I agree. Um, but we'll see. I, I think Jaden Daniels you know, might be able to work his way into the mix. Obviously, May is going to be there. You know, We'll see on, on guys like Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix you know, how high their draft stock is. I don't think they'll be in like the top three conversation. But – there will be options. And you know, that was another thing, Jeff, that I was looking at, you know, late last night when I, when I couldn't sleep, cause I just had football on the mind. I'm like how many teams going into the 2024 draft, could you make a case, you know, are, are quarterback needy, right? I mean, it's like, it's almost half the league honestly. more than ever. It feels yeah. like, yeah. I mean, there, there are like eight or nine obvious ones. And then you have situations, you know, like the, the New York jets, for example, or um, I don't know, like the Denver Broncos teams that have a quarterback, 
but only might have that quarterback for one more year. And you, know, you start to think like, oh, do they want to do like the Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers type of plan? Um, I mean, there's there are just so many teams right now that are needy. And it's a good quarterback class. It's a deep quarterback class. It's going to be fun to watch a lot of these guys next year. But there aren't enough that we're just going to have, you know, magically have great quarterback play next season. I, I think it could actually play out a lot like this one where, where some teams are just going to be kind of left off the merry-go-round. Yeah, I think so too. And, and we've also seen the importance of having good backups and there's only so many of those around too. Yeah. I mean, Andy Dalton's not walking through every door here. Uh, you know, it's, it's it, it, one of the biggest, the, one of the biggest paradoxes for me this year is that nobody traded for Dalton at the trade deadline. I mean, there's so many gaping needs. Uh, he's stuck in Carolina. We are, you know, he, you know, Bryce Young's got to play. He absolutely has to play. There's no point in Andy Dalton being in Carolina anymore. There's no mentoring going on there. I mean, I'm sure there's some mentoring going on. I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but you know, any just yeah, they they could have gone that 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 should have been like you could have netted some draft picks there very easily if you're Carolina. Um, anyways, uh, Chargers. Uh, Lindsey Rhodes was on our show uh, on my podcast this week on Wednesday, and then I heard her show on on SiriusXM Fantasy Dirt. She was just talking about how the Chargers have a historically low win rate on rush attempts this year. Yep. And that's only going to, that's, this is before 24 for 29 as a team against the Pats. And I know the Pats drag everything into the muck. Uh, they're like the Jets in that respect. In fact, they've lost three straight games while their defense has allowed 10 or fewer points. That's really hard to do. Um, but still, come on. They're, they're, every time they hand the ball off, it's a favor to the other team. Yeah, I mean they're they're at close to 26 points under expected, so like minus 26 EPA over the last two weeks for this yeah. offense. I mean it's it's bad, it's really bad, and I think the injuries are a part of it. I think Eckler clearly just not being the same guy yeah. is a big part of it as well. Uh, you know, credit to them in some ways for going on the road and winning this game. I mean it was it just could not have been more ugly. Like I mentioned, it was never on red zone. Uh, the reason for that is neither team entered the red zone at any point. Through the, through the entire game. <laughs> That's an incredible never even, never even got in the red zone. You know, both of the field goals for, for the Chargers came outside of that, obviously. So, yeah, it was just – it was gross. It was it was kind of exactly what we thought this game would be in a lot of ways. I, I actually thought the Chargers would do a little bit better. I thought they would at least you know, get into the double digits here. But, um, yeah, I mean, for, for New England, this is not a good Chargers defense, right? It's actually played a little bit better. I thought, I thought they showed up against Baltimore. That was not something I expected. That was one of their better defensive efforts of the entire season. Uh, but it, it just hammered home the point that New England is as as inept as any team offensively. And we'll see on the, the Stevenson injury as well. You know, had the fumble, went out shortly after that. And, you know, they're, they're, the Athletic already reporting yesterday afternoon that he could miss time. And typically when you get that, you know, it's at least a game. Yep. Uh, Falcons, Jets. Trevor Simeon yeah. played. I mean, that, that speaks volumes right there. Uh, and they're thinking about going back to Zach Wilson. That's all you need to know about what happened in this game. They're thinking about going back to Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson is thinking about whether or not he even wants to be the quarterback. Right, right. That's that's where we're at right now with the Jets. Uh, yeah, Simeon was bad. Boyle was bad. Uh, the, the Jets. I mean, this was actually similar in a lot of ways, as you'd expect by the final score to to the New England game, because like both teams, like the Jets had so many opportunities to win this game. Like the, the Falcons just could not put them away. Like a, a field goal probably would have done it, honestly. And I know it would still be a one score game, but you know, good luck scoring a touchdown and getting a two point conversion if you're the Jets. And, you know, the Falcons go up 13 to eight after a very Falconsy, you know, 14 play drive that took off like almost the entire third quarter. They, they go up with, with three and a half minutes left. Neither team scored the rest of the way. The Jets had one, two, three, four, five, six drives after that and really never mm-hmm. even approached scoring territory. Like they were never even threatening for a field goal. Yeah, it, it, was, it was so bad. 
just so, so bad. There was a disputed fumble call in that game. Uh, but who cares? I mean, just, uh, I think there was a question in the chat earlier about the worried about the jets set, shutting down Garrett Wilson and Brees hall. Um, I don't think that happens because players really. play. Um, but wow. I mean, it's just, you know, and the thing is like every week you have to decide, okay, how much am I going to downgrade Brees hall? Cause he could catch one pass and go, go for a big play or, he, you know, he could break off one big run, but 13 for 16 running the ball. Garrett Wilson made a couple of nice catches, had another one overturned where he barely got a foot out. I mean, it would have been an incredible catch. Yeah. He got drilled for the you know, for his efforts and got nothing to show for it there. But there's just no there there. I mean, you know, when your options are Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon, who is Trevor Simeon and actually was maybe slightly worse than Boyle in some ways, Boyle threw an interception, but Simeon got sacked three times and averaged five yards an attempt. Just there's not much hope there. And and the Falcons aren't good either. I mean, the Falcons, they had like the fourth worst like fantasy scoring defense going in this game, but it's the Jets. I was wrong on that one. I kind of I could have used them in DFS. I could have put them a little bit higher in my rankings, but I was like, yeah, they, they, there's just no pass rush. They still got they got and they only got well, and they they got the four sacks, three of them late. Uh, but you know, I don't know. It's just there wasn't it's just not much from this game at all. No, I mean that's that's just how Jets games go, and honestly, how a lot of Falcons games go yeah. this season. Uh, you know, on the, the Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall stuff, I'm with you. I don't I don't see them getting shut down. It just doesn't. You know, the only time it really happens is if you know if you're in the other situation where you're really good and you're you know you're resting starters in Week 18. But no, I, I don't think we see a true shutdown. Maybe they're a little more careful with the workload. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I, this seems like a team that's on the verge of like a third inter, internal mutiny on the season. But there's just I mean, there's just not a lot of value here, right? Like even go all the way back to the last game they won against the Giants. Like these are their point totals over the last six weeks, 13, six, 12, six, 13, eight, you know, it's like, so you're really just hoping for like the one long play and you get some yardage fantasy yep. points because like the, the, the touchdowns, I mean, we have enough of a sample here that like, this is not getting fixed anytime soon. Like they don't even have that tough of a schedule. I think it's the 22nd ranked schedule the rest of the way. Like you can score in Houston, you know, teams that put up points on Miami, that commanders game in, in week 16. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's something there. Uh, but then he finished out at Cleveland and at New England. And, you know, those are two teams that, that want to play 13 to eight games. So I just, I don't really see the upside. Uh, this, this game was, was it two nothing early on in favor of the Jets? It was, it yeah, was. I'd say that's, I mean, I would, I would have liked to see what the odds were for Jets Falcons to, to be two nothing at some point. Like that felt like a very Jets Falcons score. No question yeah. about that. And by the way, when I, I mentioned, you know, heading over to the Pato Sportsbook in Milwaukee, uh, one of my good buddies placed a, a 13 leg, no safety parlay. So he took no safety in any game. And we, of course we got a safety. Um, we got a few it was, of them. It was like 35 minutes into the day. Yeah. We got a couple of them in the, uh, the day. There was, uh, there was one uh, late in the Cleveland Rams game too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got, at least you knew that that parlay was dead right away, but uh, I guess uh, you don't have to sweat it. You don't have to stick around to the brutal right. end, I yeah. suppose. Uh, Rams Cleveland. This game was actually kind of entertaining um, at times, at least Cleveland's defense. Okay. Again, on the road, kind of a mess on the road. Yeah, you know, they're they're kind of becoming like predictable in that sort of sense. Yeah, this is two weeks in a row now, and you know I think the Browns they they still rightfully get the benefit of the doubt, but they've like their slip up games have been really concerning this year. And, and look, yep. on balance, they're still like a, a great defense. A lot of the metrics would tell you, you know, they're especially early on, like halfway through the year, uh, you know, one of the best defenses ever. But you, you think like that Colts game where they allowed thirty nine to Gardner Minshew you know, 400, uh, 400 subtotal yards, uh, in that one, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they, like they, they allowed what three ninety nine 
in this one as well. Jeez. Yeah, this is. Yeah. That's more than I would have expected. I mean, the Rams obviously poured it on late, and it was, it, this was actually a more fun game than the final score would imply. It got it got out of hand uh, late in the fourth quarter, yep. uh, but still, still very much in the balance uh, until Joe Flacco uh, threw an interception midway through the fourth quarter, and you know the, the Rams put up 16 points in the final six minutes, uh, which got them to 36. So this was by no means just like complete romp uh, by the LA Rams, but uh, this one to me was kind of a 50-50. I stayed away from it in just about everything. Didn't want to bet it. You know, put it very low in the Pick'em League. Kind of thought any result was possible. Uh, but now two weeks in a row where the Rams have, have piled up 37 and 36 points. Uh, and, and more encouragingly to me was they got the wide receivers back involved. You know, that, that had been something that yeah. they were putting up these numbers, but it was a lot of the running game. It was timely plays. Puka Nakua, four for 105, had a long, you know, 70 yarder. Cooper Cup, not a huge day, but got into the end zone. Uh, you know, saw eight targets. You'll take that. And Kyra Williams still looked pretty good uh, as well against a, a great rush defense in Cleveland. What do we think of Joe Flacco? I, I actually, I think it was the right move to go to him. I think so too, but there again, there's just limited amount of upside even with that. Although it's funny, he led the he led the slate in attempted air yards yesterday. Yeah, he had like he over does. 400 attempted air yards, I think. Um, but one of them was like an arm putt interception that you alluded to in the fourth quarter, where that was bad. Just didn't have a chance. Um, he, this this he had a couple of overturned plays, and David Njoku like had a heel out of bounds on a pretty long reception. I, I dumbly use Njoku in uh, DFS. He's good for a mistake every game though. Uh, I had a really good lineup, but I got nothing from my D de- I used the Browns defense too. I don't know what I was thinking there, but, um, but for a couple of spots there where I just gave away points and, you know, I, cause I had like a, a Niners stack with Kamara. I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, this is going to be a good lineup. Zach yep. Moss did very little by the way, too. That was another one, but we kind of against Tennessee, it was just it was like kind of a free square play, and it just for the price is okay, but still we we're expecting better. But the Cleveland side of things there, ugh. um, Jerome Ford looks was not effective running the ball this time, uh, where he had been in previous times. They they did a good job of shutting him down. Elijah Moore could be very important going forward at 12 targets. Amari Cooper got concussed in this game. It was already questionable with the ribs, and then you know got a concussion. So we'll see what happens with them next week. Now, Cleveland, uh, they, they're home against your Jags, so uh, that could be could be an interesting game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just I thought it was the right decision. On the Rams side, Nakua briefly left, and I thought it looked pretty bad at first, but then he was, yeah. he was right back in there. And not only was he in there, but they're, like, going running plays with him, too. Like, he, the offense ran through him and Kyron Williams more than it did through Cooper Cup, and I thought that was noteworthy to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the same thing. Um, I mean, the breakaway speed with Nakua is still jarring because he's 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 a big guy, right? I mean, yeah. he's, he almost he almost has more of a like a kind of hybrid tight end type of build, and uh, you know, on that seventy yarder, ran away from multiple defenders on a good defense, missed almost the entire second quarter, and you know, going into halftime, you're thinking, man, if I, if I used him at DFS, like got off to a great start, but at what cost? And you know, played twenty four of twenty six like real snaps uh, in the second half, so that was yeah. encouraging. Doesn't look like anything to worry about there. Uh, the Cooper thing, though, is, is definitely something to monitor. You know, he was banged up last week. This is now a concussion. Uh, we'll see how long he ends up in protocol. But once he went out, like you said, Elijah Moore was the guy. It was actually Cedric Tillman who ended up playing a ton of snaps. Uh, he was targeted six times by Flacco yeah. as well. But they were remarking even on the broadcast. Like, there is a clear connection, for whatever reason, between Elijah Moore uh, and, and Joe Flacco. Um, you know, they, I guess they would have overlapped last year, right? Yeah, I was just gonna say they, yeah, they okay. have played together with the Jets too, so yeah, maybe that's so, why. Yeah, that must be it. But yeah, I mean, it was it was almost to the point where, like, by the end of it, when the Browns were scrambling a little bit, like he was going out of his way to target Elijah Moore, even in situations when he probably shouldn't have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other thing we saw Demarcus Robinson sighting. 
Um, had a four for 55 and a touchdown. Did cost Nakua a big play on a, on a hold. Uh, yeah. But uh, they okay. he was even when he was with the Chiefs, though, they liked him because he blocked well. Yeah. You block well, sometimes you're going to hold, too. It happens. Um, so that's something to watch for. Rams are in the playoff hunt. They're 6-6. Six and six. Uh, In the NFC, that's good. That's pretty decent. Yeah, it is. And they got to go to Baltimore next week. So we'll see about that. That's going to be a, a monster test. You know, I think for them, they're, we, we talk a lot about Green Bay trending in the right direction, but the Rams have quietly won three in a row. I think this is now, this is their Chiefs game, right? Where yeah. it's like, if you, you find a way to win this, okay, you know, then we'll, then we'll start to take you seriously. After that, Commanders, Saints, Giants, those are all winnable, but they do finish out at San Francisco. So tough draw there. Yeah. I think if you're the Rams, you're hoping that San Francisco has the one seed locked up, which I don't think is likely going into week 18 because that that game at San Francisco could decide your fate. I was just going to say they need to win the three sandwich games. They need yep. to win Washington Saints and Giants. And the Washington game and the Saints game are at home. Giants is in in New York. Those you got to win those games. 9 and 8 pro- might get you there. I think I think it will. I think it probably gets you the 7. Uh what's interesting in the NFC is you, you got two spots that are very much up for grabs. You know, Minnesota yeah. losing last week to Chicago, I think really really opened things up. Uh, you got, they're at six and six green Bay's at six and six. The Rams are six and six Seattle six and six. Uh, you know, even it's not even out of the question that we could get two NFC South teams in sadly, uh, you're like Tampa Bay and new Orleans, you know, they're five and seven They're You know, they'll, they'll still be battling with Atlanta for that division title, but those teams are very much in the mix as well. I I think new Orleans is a cutoff for me. Like I'm not, I I know technically the four and eight giants and the four and eight bears are in the hunt, but those are not playoff teams. They they will not be, they will not be factoring into this. They are not serious people. Um, yeah, it, it's it basically is like and I don't even view the Saints as really serious. I mean, I, they could still win their division, but you know, right now, currently as it stands, uh, Vikings and Packers have the tiebreaker over the Rams and Seahawks. Um, I guess either the Bucks or Saints could find a way to eke in there too, but uh, I'm not even seeing that. It would be it would take a lot. They do get their own division to play in. Speaking of which, Bucks Panthers, yay! Let's let's finish off with this scintillating instant classic here. Man, we took the Buccaneers to cover in the circuit contest and felt like it was the right play. Obviously, it was not. Um, but the the defense, you know, let up a, a late touchdown, 11-play drive for the Panthers, who actually had a chance to, to win this game with another drive, and that ended in a Bryce Young interception. Uh, but I, I think this one played out about like you'd expect, right? Uh, you know, Tampa Bay at home, I, I felt like had a had a better chance to to at least win this game by two scores. Um, but you know, we we had some elements as well. It was raining pretty hard early on. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay just kind of did what they do, right? Baker Mayfield inefficient, got to 200 yards, threw his interception, had his touchdown mm-hmm. to Mike Evans, who is once again over a thousand yards. He's done that every year of his career. I think Mike Evans is a Hall of Famer. That's a discussion for a different day. Uh, but he's done it. He's done it with so many different quarterbacks, so many different situations. He's got the ring. I think the the accumulative numbers are going to to stack up with anybody, especially if he can you know do another year or two of this. Um, you know, I think he's a no-brainer Hall of Famer. Okay, good. Because I, I coming into the year, it was it was very debatable. Uh, but but getting the ring and then, like I said, I mean, he's going to be he might be top ten all time in receiving touchdowns, which is saying a lot. That's stuff to do. And then the yardage will be there as well. Uh, but that is neither here nor there. Uh, very. This is just a very NFC so, NFC South type of game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Panthers actually ran the ball relatively effectively. I, I wouldn't say they were you know they were gashing the Buccaneers by any means, but they committed to it. You know, we saw Chuba Hubbard run the ball twenty five times. Miles Sanders. His fantasy value has been dead for a few weeks. That was hammered home once again. I mean, this is Chuba mm-hmm. Hubbard's backfield pretty clearly. Classic Rashad White, 20 for 84 game. He got his touchdown, continues to to hang around in fantasy. Uh, saw almost nothing out of Chris Godwin. 
as well. Uh, you know, Mike, it was, it, 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 they've kind of traded off sometimes. Mike Evans has certainly been more consistent, but this was a, a total bottom out game for Chris Godwin, zero catches on three targets. Yeah, and he came in with a neck issue. And Stefania Bell on uh, the ESPN pregame show was expressing her concern about that. And, you know, that's fair. But if, if, if the neck was a problem, why are you having a, giving him a running attempt, which is where he got his touchdown? Um, yeah. You know, the thing is, on draft day, those were Evans versus Godwin was kind of considered a wash. Um, and, in fact, Godwin, I think, had the higher ADP. And in, yeah. in the NFFC primetime, I had that choice, and I went Godwin. And just try to think about this this is a pretty decent team i have and i have good receivers but man that choice that choice is a, a bad choice as it turns out pretty really bad choice so it's the difference of 32 spots right now yeah in terms of their ppr ranking and mike evans ranks even higher in standard leagues because he has so many touchdowns i mean he's, he's a top five receiver in standard leagues he's i mean he's wide receiver seven right now on the year and it's you know or he had that great start to the year and we're thinking all right you know this probably isn't sustainable but i mean we are obviously far enough into the year now where uh, that's, it, you know, I, I'd have to look at like the Yahoo MVPs page that we always talk about with PL, uh, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, which players are rostered on the best teams. Mike Evans has to be up there. I'd agree. Absolutely. On the Carolina side, Adam Thielen might've been on that page at one point in time, but another disappointing performance against a really bad secondary three for yeah. 25, six targets. Jonathan Mingo was the primary target with 10 targets, uh, six for 69 though. I mean, let's face it. This Carolina passing offense is not going to raise any boats uh it is a receding tide uh and it's just that that last sequence third and one fourth and one badly missed passes on both yep. plays just that that it was emblematic of the where the carolina passing game is right now it's it's up there with the worst in the league and you know like like i said last week it's not you don't get the comedy that you do with the team like the jets or the patriots but right it's it's just as inept in a lot of ways man and it's it's just like it's crushing to watch because i, I still really like Bryce young you know there's more in there than what he's shown, but yeah, you know, I mean, Carolina's been terrible on third downs all year. They were three of fifteen yesterday. If you factor in fourth downs, they're four of eighteen trying to convert. Uh, I think this is now seven games in a row that they put up fewer than three hundred yards of total mm-hmm. offense. I mean, barely over four yards per play yesterday. That's terrible. Young took four sacks. They had a bunch of penalties. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the narratives, if you like Carolina, and look, they did cover. So you know, props to those who took the Panthers. But you know, you're like, oh, do, do you get the you know the post coach firing bounce? This this looked like the exact same team to me. I, nothing really changed for Carolina. Yep. And you, know, you look at their remaining schedule, Saints, Falcons, Packers, Jags, Bucks. Uh, we, we might be looking at a 1-16 team. Yep. Bears are the big winners here with uh, them having Carolina's pick. One of the all-time bad trades is, is, is it's shaping up to be. We've had, and you know what? We've had this trade. We've had the Russell Wilson trade. We've had the Deshaun Watson trade. All of these have been spectacularly awful for the acquiring teams. Yes. Very, very, very bad. Yes. Um, you know, it's funny because in the NBA with trades like that, it's almost, it almost always goes in favor of the team that gets the superstar player. Right. Because those guys are just so valuable. And, you know, there's always these dreams of picks that don't, don't turn into what you think they are. But yeah, all three of those have been all timers and they've all happened in, in close succession. I think, I think for a lot of reasons, like the Watson deal might be the worst of them all. You know, we'll see if, if he can ever return to form. Obviously the Wilson deal is a disaster, but yeah, man. I mean, handing over, it, it just doesn't happen in the NFL, right? Like in the NBA, you get this every now and then, right? Where, uh, you know, because picks are traded so far out that, you know, teams almost yeah. forget that that they have these obligations. But to trade next year's first and be as bad as Carolina's been, I mean, they they don't have the number one pick locked up, but it really feels like it. I mean, I don't, I don't see them winning two more games the rest of the year. To have to hand that number one pick to Chicago, I mean, that is, 
It's awful. I, I don't, I, I mean, if you're Carolina, I don't really know. I don't know what the, the improvement plan is because right. you, know, you, could, you could go shopping in free agency, I guess, if you want, you got an owner who's willing to spend money, but this is a team that has just an immense number of holes right now. And I don't even know what you address first. Offensive line. It's absolutely offensive line. If you're going to try to, if Bryce Young's going to have a career, he's got to have some time at all. I think that offensive line is really awful. I, I think it, it was a real choice of them to make this trade trade away the best receiver and then still have this terrible line and not any good off uh, any good wide receivers. When Adam Thielen is your big acquisition, he's not a like outside burner DJ Chark. There was a, a chart going around talking about how the Carolina loses every outside one-on-one -on -one battle, whether it's Chark or whether it's Terrace Marshall, two bottom five guys in terms of that. Um, it's just no support. It's just, a, it's just a setup for failure situation. Young. I'm not, I don't think young is his story is written off. No, but he's in such a bad spot. He's in such a bad spot. And again, I, I don't know if it improves that much next season. That's, that's what's concerning is like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not of the belief that you can ruin a quarterback in one year, especially somebody with the makeup of Bryce young. Like I, I think, I think he's the right guy to try to persevere through this. Like he's the anti Johnny Manziel in like every way, right? Like yeah. I don't think he's going to just like fold it up and, and this is who he is, but I, I just, I don't know if you're going to be able to put a better product around him next year. Right? Like even if you, if you invest capital in, in the offensive line, it's like you still got maybe the worst pass catching group in, in the NFC. Yep, that's and right. And you got a defense that I think needs improvements as well. So it's just it's a really really bad situation, and and you know a lot of it, of course, traces back to David Tepper. So yeah, it, it's tough because I, I think I was really excited to see what Bryce Young could be, and in a lot of ways, you know, he's been disappointing. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but he's been put like how many quarterbacks could could succeed in this i mean there, there are a lot of good veteran quarterbacks that would have a terrible year for this carolina team yeah i will just say look how hopeless houston looked two years ago or even yeah. last year um turnarounds can still happen quicker than you expect you just get, you got to get those key pieces yeah. in though and that's tough all right we'll conclude on that note nick's got a hoops podcast i'm giving them all five minutes to rest his vocal cords for so uh big thanks to everybody jumped in here uh make sure to catch nick and i tonight 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time on Sirius XM Fantasy. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com